Save or Die. As usual, it's DM Mike, along with DM Glenn. Good thing you can remember them numbers. I can't over on the other show for some reason. Don't worry, I'm sure I'll screw up on it. In, in, fact, in fact, the last Seiko's Hammer I started with, Hi folks, Save or Die. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I have Brian around, so. <laughs> and DM Liz. Hello. And a new addition to the show as a regular host, DM Jim. Greetings, programs. Yep. And he's the new guy, so we give him all the grunt work. That's right. Ready for another game of Pundits and Podcasts. (laughs) I've got my character rolled. I need to write that game up now, you know. That's even better than paper (laughs) paychecks. So... Talk to us more about Gygax Magazine. <laughs> I got to I got to say, Jim, you look like ten pounds slimmer on the on the podcast here. Oh well, thank you. You're welcome. And I too have a body for radio. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what? I would like to do. What did you do in gaming this week? But I would like to start with Jim. Da, da, da. Yeah, put Jim think, on the spot. You've been He's the new guy. You've been to CincyCon, haven't you? Oh, hi. Yes, I'm fresh from uh, CincyCon, which is uh, Cincinnati's big uh, yearly gaming convention. Um, I played in uh, Tim Kask's uh, uh, game, and we didn't TPK. Yeah, major yeah. achievement unlocked. I was a little worried. I played in his regular campaign, and but uh, this first convention game I've been in. Uh, we did lose a paladin, um, but uh, that's because the paladin sassed the dungeon master and got his leg torn <laughs> off. Yeah, that we, almost never works. <laughs> oh boy! But we we had made it to the end, and then he wanted to pop off to the evil magic user who had exploding gold coins stuck in all our pockets, and he lost his leg. So that was that. Naughty, naughty. But most importantly, I lived, and um, <laughs> uh, to Michael Curtis Games, Goodman Games sent him uh, to the convention to run some dungeon crawl classics. Uh, one was a play test for an upcoming uh, product of theirs called Frozen in Time that Michael wrote, and we had a great time. Um, at the end of the module, getting killed by Big Bad, I don't want to get into spoilers, but my uh, wizard was down to three hit points and no spells and got his hands on a Mark Seven blaster rifle. Oh, nice. So, Sweet. how Gygaxian is that? Uh, that's more like Arnesinian. <laughs> so was that when was that the um, thing that prompted you to put that little poster on your Facebook page about you know if it's something has a light blinking, don't touch it. <laughs> oh right, right. Well, I mean, I tried to role play well and not metagame, but as soon as we were in a tunnel where the walls are circular and it looks like fired clay, but your swords won't dent it, I knew what was going on, and I declared the Jim Ward protocol. I'm like, okay, if you see any blinking lights, nobody touches anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
gonna have to get one of them DCCs when I'm at the con. I, I saw it at my game store again, and then I looked in the back, and I said, "Well, to avoid a coronary, I'm gonna pass this time." <laughs> it's, it's a lot of money. Uh, so, just the module of, or the game? The game. DCC. Yeah, well, it is a very large hardback book. I'll give it that. It's large. It's a deadly weapon. Well, I've seen bigger game books. Hero 5. Hero 6. Yeah, but they're usually, they're light. I mean, this is like good paper, and it's like, mm, boy, doorstop or clue weapon. I took out Mr. Colonel Mustard with this. <laughs> well, it's the size of a phone book, but my personal favorite thing about it is it's black type on white paper. Every single page isn't photoshopped with backgrounds. Yes. Uh, so, you, so I can actually read it, and it's just really well laid out, nice font choices, golden age, you know, start with Errol Otis, Jim Holloway, guys like that, uh, Peter Mullen. It's a beautiful product. Yeah, another problem that, you know, Mike in particular has had with the some of the newer products that do have the grayed-out artwork in the background covering mm-hmm. all the page, it yeah. makes it very difficult to scan and have his screen reader be able to you know, read the type because the artwork, you know, coming up behind it will screw everything up. You know, granted, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's only a small, yeah, I'm sure there's only a very small portion of people who buy product who are visually impaired and need screen readers, but still. (laughs) Well, you know, I, I went back when I, my second edition books, I had the second printing, the black box, the black books. I went back to first printing because the layout just like, it irritated me. It just, (laughs) I can, you know, play the first, first printing of the second edition, I can go through boom, boom, boom and find stuff. Well, I'm an, I'm an, uh, I'm an older player, and uh, my brain just doesn't want to have to parse all that nonsense. I just want to read the type. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, now we're we're starting to talk about second edition, and we know that's a completely different game from classic D and D, and is not even <laughs> remotely compatible in any way, shape, or form. So, okay. I'll, oh, oh, I'll I, I do have one more thing from the con, though. Uh, Michael Curtis asked me to ask you guys from Texas about the Rust Monster battle that shall not be mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's he was of... he was with us in that game. Oh, it was awful. It, it was it was embarrassingly horribly funny. <laughs> horribly funny. Horribly funny. Yes. Oh my gosh! You know, we're supposed to be, you know, pretty decent level adventurers. We're down in the lower levels of Gygax, and a couple of rust monsters are kicking our butts. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh. We're mid-level characters, and we're like screaming like little girls trying to run, because it's like the, they're just getting bam, bam, bam. Half our stuff is disappearing. You're like, ah! And the other half of the party's going, no, I'm not getting close to those things, and they're not helping those of us. <laughs> you know, it's like we're cowering in the corner of a room. It's like, let's make a fire break. You know? Well, he wouldn't tell me what happened, but it, it was it just one of those things where nobody could roll a hit suddenly oh well part of it yeah um rather that party just left the rest of them and decided to go down the corridor and see what was going on over there and and we're screaming help help and they're like no no we're gonna stay behind this porculus no no (laughs) (laughs) thanks a lot guys it was it was embarrassing (laughs) it was oh man so that's, you've had quite a week. <laughs> Big weekend. 
Big weekend. Big weekend. Len? Well, did I already... I've already bore you guys about what happened to that green dragon we had to take down. No, last we heard, you had two weeks to prep. Oh, let me tell you. Decide what you were going to do. I already told this on Thaco's Hammer, but I'm going to tell it here. My God, this is one for the books. I mean, this is one of those games you're going to fondly remember in your old age. (laughs) Um, We planned... Yeah, we backed off into another room and decided the three magic users. We had one magic user and two elves. Okay, we're all going to take because we all share spell books, so we all cast invisibility on ourselves. We all stood at the entrance of the cavern with the dragon in there, and all three of us cast a fireball. And it didn't take him out. He made his save for half, but boom, number boom. one in basic. They do not have magic resistance. And number two, that reduces his breath attack weapon. Yes, because it's equal to their hit points. Right. So it's, they only, it's, and, the, and it only had 60 hit points, so it must have been a, kind of a young dragon. Um, so we knocked it down 26 points, which means when he breathed on us, even people who didn't make their save took negligible damage. Yeah, what, ah. 20-something? Yeah. And if they have, you know, save for half, it's... 10 to 12. Yeah. So I walked up there with my plus three versus dragon sword, whacked him in the neck, and one of the other casters hit him with magic missiles, and the DM said, his head exploded. (laughs) Oh, man, we were going to keep that. So (laughs) we we cleaned the place out. We salvaged the But it gets better, okay? It gets better. Two or three sessions before, our thief, a halfling, um, found a mirror. And we found out later it was a mirror of life trapping. But he didn't know that because every time he looked in the mirror, he made his save. <laughs> so he said, I'm just going to wrap this up with Dickens. So we're back at the inn. Okay, we're heroes. Yay, yay, yay. We're back at the inn. He's with a lady of the evening. And she's Uh-oh. given him the whole, you know, charm thing. He says, Oh, yeah, we got a lot of treasure. What's this mirror I found? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and he looked at it again, made his save, showed but it to she... the woman, did not. She got sucked in. He panicked. <laughs> he panicked, wrapped it in a blanket, and went into our, where we are down in the main tavern hall. I said, I don't know what happened. She just disappeared. And we're going like, Something's wrong with that mirror. And I was going like, why don't we hold that mirror up to another mirror and see what happens? The other guys are going, oh, I don't believe this. Two more of our party in the mirror because they didn't make their saves. Reflection, yeah. Yeah. And so while we're arguing over this, Gage, my grandson, who's playing a fighter, curses the DM and goes, I want to break it. And the DM rolls dice and he says, you broke it. And he goes, while you guys were arguing... (laughs) The fighter broke the mirror. And the way that works is like life trapping is when you're in the mirror, you're like in this room by yourself. Everybody is separate, okay? They're not all one big. Oh, so they don't even get to like hang out with the lady of the evening. No, but what what happened was the mirror broke. The lady of the evening came out. The other party members came out, but also a hill giant that had been in there for about a month came out. See? He's hungry. So, That's some good, good DMing right there. We're fighting a hill giant in the middle of a tavern, and one of our mages goes, what do you do? I cast hallucinatory terrain on him. What kind of hallucinatory terrain? No, it was uh, Phantasmal Force. 
What kind of fantastic force? I wanted to make him think he's above a 300-foot pit with spikes. Ah! I cast it, and the damn thing failed to save. He's well, hill giants aren't that smart. <laughs> hill giant fall his back, thrashing around, and when he hit the spikes, he could go, Ugh! He's out. Slit his throat. We're heroes again. <laughs> and you get to keep his head. That's right. <laughs> See, we're, we're great heroes. We bring our own monsters. <laughs> See, the head comments are our party that we game with on Saturdays. Yeah, for a while, the thief was just obsessed about keeping with taxidermy and uh-huh. keeping heads of all sorts of critters. And the best, one of the best parts about it is he had a friend over just watching the game because he didn't know if he wanted to play. And he came <laughs> to the best session we ever had. After all that happened, Matt Odinus stood up and said, and that's D&D. <laughs> yep. As soon as you said its head exploded, I pictured his den with like the taxidermied tail. It's <laughs> <laughs> all we had, man. <laughs> Part of the skull with us. But I mean, we clean that. We have more treasure than we ever know what to do with. We, it, he said, in this session, I'm suspending the rule that you only level up once per session. But unfortunately, nobody leveled up more than once. So. <laughs> I see. He should have that rule that you only get XP for the treasure when you spend it. Oh yeah, and we also we also like left a total carcass of a body without teeth, without blood, without scales, without you know <laughs> anything we could take off that dread. We took them. There's good spell components. That's right. and it's good eating. Oh yeah, <laughs> that tavern had a special for like months after that. Dragon stew, yeah, and hill giant, and, and hill yeah. giant. <laughs> <laughs> Hill giant fingers. <laughs> mm, no, thank you. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Well, I bought some stuff, and that's about it. What do you guys been doing? Okay. Well, the only thing basic, classic we did this weekend, unfortunately, is, and I had not heard of this. You guys probably had, but I just happened to come across it in a Noble Knight catalog. Uh, Wizards of the Coast has apparently released a bunch of, quote-unquote, classic T-shirts. Yeah, I saw those. Yeah, we didn't know about that, so we saw it and we went, ka-ching! And the, the, we got a, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. We got a couple of the Holmes Basic shirts. Mm-hmm. With the cover it, artwork on them. Yeah, oh, the, I guess, sweet. is that Sutherland or Trampier who did that? I think it was Dave Sutherland who Sutherland. did the art yeah. for Holmes Box. Yeah, because he, he had the same characters on the DM's Guide. So I yeah, guess. he got the, quote-unquote, was it blue? Yeah, I got the the light blue T-shirt, basically the same color as the book inside the box, and it's a women's fitted tee, and there's a standard tee, unisex, which is a deep red color, and the cover art is in full color on that T-shirt, and that's what Mike very got. Very nice, very nice. Uh, yeah, I saw the, the Tramp Minotaur looks really nice. Yeah, so if I run Holmes at uh, North Texas RPG Con, and I'm toying with the idea right now, 
I'm probably going to wear that. <laughs> I'm wearing my T-shirt to the con, I'm regardless I'm, of what I'm playing. <laughs> I'm the yeah. logo for Mazes and Perils. I'm trying to get on a T-shirt, but I can't seem – I'm using Zazzle, and I'm trying – so for some reason, it's cockeyed. I don't know why. It's straight when I did it. Mm. So it was the Mazes and Perils logo. It's just Mazes and Perils. Mazes and Perils. And what did I say under there? Because there's no place like Holmes. <laughs> oh. uh. Yeah. All right. So, do we have any emails? Yes, we do. Do we? Do we? Do we? And now, since he's the new guy, we'll kick Jim down the stairs. Do we still? Wait, what? We <laughs> <laughs> haven't in a while. Back in earlier episodes, uh, Vince had a sound effect where it, you know, sounded like we were going down into the basement to to check the cauldron for emails and. It was our standard joke that we would kick Glenn down the stairs. So, yeah. Ah! <laughs> What's in the kettle? All right. Our first email is from Richard. Mm-hmm. Hi, Richard. Richard writes, "Hello, Solders." <laughs> <I was. laughs> and hello to you Sodomites. too, Richard. And a proud lot we are. Yeah, you Sodom, you. Go ahead. <laughs> I really enjoy listening to all the Wild Game Production podcasts. They've inspired me to get back into gaming and even Sweet. try my hand at self-publishing a new sci-fi RPG. Sweet. I had two questions for your merry band of classic DMs. Since classic slash OD&D has the warmer, well-worn, but timeless feel I want to try to capture. I'd really like to hear opinions on what makes a game old school. Does it have to be fantasy? Does it have to be a clone of a game from the 70s? My goal is to make a unique role, R-O-L-E, not role, R-O-L-L, playing game, but with time to play with all those funny dice. Written in Gygaxian prose, trying to get more of a pulpy Tom Corbett space cadet open universe feel than a hard edge space apocalypse political drama. Yet, yet giving game masters enough room to make whatever setting pleases them and their players. Am I way off base in thinking this leans old school? Is there a piece of the magic I'm missing? I'd also love a recommendation on fonts, a subject you touch on often in the podcast during reviews. <clears throat> yes, sorry. <laughs> Readable fonts. Um, also, for Glenn, where can I get more of The Lumpers? Well, I really enjoyed the audio production that was on RFI a while back and would love to get more in whatever medium you've published in. Well, Please don't be afraid to direct me to paid content either. It would be worth it. Well, come on out in the back alley. I got I got a copy I, I could sell you right. And if you like that, I also got the Star Wars Christmas special. Uh, the Lumpers. No, nasty, nasty Christmas. That was a one-off. Um, yeah. I want to really get into the long, sordid details, but that kind of fell through. So that's about the only one I made. Uh, I'm I perform in audio dramas, but I don't like producing audio dramas. Um, so, other than that, my novel and the five or six comic strip, comic pages I did, that's about it for the Lumpers. Novel. Do you have the... The what? 
Uh, I was going to ask, do you have the comic pages posted on your yeah, blog anywhere or someplace that you know people could go and look? Yeah, my DeviantArt page, uh, smokestackjones.deviantart.com. Hmm. Okay. There, um, and like I said, my novel. and Yeah, I wrote a book, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> it's called The Lumpers When the Fat Orc Sings. <laughs> nice. And it's in the middle of its third review. I wrote it for the National Novel Writing Month. Oh. About five years ago. And I did. Is it a pig faced orc? Uh, it's a novel. You can make it whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, I did, I started my third revision and I just stuck it in a drawer and I never, you know, it still needs some work. Uh, it's a, actually, it's a more like a novella, but, uh, anyway. But that, yeah. uh, if, keep your eyes and ears open. If I do anything else, you will know it. I will. I will make an announcement. I will shout it to the wind. I will shout it to the world, and just keep tuning into osrgaming.org. Okay. And keep using At- Royal, the official dice bag of the OSR. <laughs> As to the first question, yes. What do you think, Jim? I have a very serious answer to this because uh, he talked about the Gygaxia prose, which is easier to say than it is to do. Uh, yes. Takes some efficacious editorial effort, but uh, Ooh. see. <laughs> but uh, the uh, retro D and D league here, the place in town that started out with uh, chainmail and then the brown books and stuff like that. One of the things they noticed was the, uh, I mean, old school and basic school tends to be a more brutal game. Characters die off, and you have to roll up new characters. And one of the things these kids stumbled across that was excellent was they started using the rules and having to backfill the logic gaps. Mm-hmm. And that caused them to role-play spontaneously, rather than the sort of thing that we've come to do these days where I sit down and narrate my character's history for 45 minutes. They were having to do it very suddenly on the fly. Okay, new character, this character is that character's brother and that character's cousin, and then role-play it. So that's part of old school, is role-playing on the fly by the seat of your pants as you uh, work with very basic set of light rules which is yeah it it sounds like the trends what you're hitting there is as a corollary to that is by definition you don't have a game that has a rule for everything right exactly yeah okay liz um usually when i think of quote-unquote old school um again it's kind of the seat of the pants sort of thing not necessarily not so much just in role-playing but also in the universe that your characters are going through. Um, Like I've talked about before with some of the Judges Guild modules and supplements that I love so much, you know, such as City State of the Invincible Overlord. It's a standard, quote-unquote, medieval fantasy city, but you're walking along and there's a god who's tending bar somewhere for no apparent reason but there he is and so things that don't necessarily make perfect sense but they're fun to have you know, I think of when I see that that makes me think it's old school you know everything does not have to have an established ecology everything does not have to be planned out to the nth degree you can f- see and find unexpected things in the middle of wherever you are and 
just go with it and enjoy it. <laughs> okay. Which is which is straight from like Jack Vance's Dying Earth series where characters just come out of nowhere. Yeah. And go away there too. <laughs> Sometimes. Glenn? Um, I'm pretty much on with what Liz has said, uh, and Jim. Um, RPGs in broad strokes. Not so broad as, you know, they leave you high and dry. I mean, I'll tell you about the one I picked up this week, but um, enough specificity. How shall I say? Enough to get the characters into trouble. Okay. And then, and then, you know, you guys, it's like, okay, this is what happens when they do this. You guys figure out how to get out of it. And that goes for the DM, too. You know, house rules are a good thing, I think. Yeah. And the old the old school stuff gave you enough room to do that. Because, you know, it, it, on the at the bottom line, old school is a feeling. It is a... I mean, they say you can't go home again and you can't recapture your youth. But the youth remembers a specific way the game ran. And it's it may be a little nostalgia, but you can still make it work. Oh. All right. Well, my opinion is I can pretty much agree with what everybody said. I would, however, point out, like uh, he said in his email... It doesn't have to be a clone of a game of the 1970s. No. Because there were games even back then that I would say were not old school in theory. <clears throat> Fantasy Games Unlimited's Aftermath comes to mind. There you if go. you want a rule for everything. Now, it doesn't make it a bad game. It's just there is a... There's whether you trust your DM to handle unusual circumstances or... There's the, we have to have a rule for everything. We have to get super realistic. And that even kind of imports from the war game hobby of the era. Um, there was a trend toward monster games in the late 70s where, you know, there's, you know, piles and piles of rules and, and circumstances. You know, any board game that says, you know, average playing time 17 to 24 hours. I don't know about you guys, but I never wanted to play that long anything. Now, if we were snowed in with a blizzard, something like that might be useful. (laughs) And I wonder, you know, and maybe it's not an accident that role-playing started in the Great Lakes region. Yeah. Um, Well, it sounds like one of the things we all circled around was that it's dungeon mastering through a greater degree of DM fiat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, giving, a, you know, basically like the idea of saving throws and then saying, DM, run with it. Mm-hmm. When do saving throws apply? When do they not? Can you use the same mechanic for other things? Sure. You know, it's up to you. That's what gives the game its life, that kind yeah. of stuff. So if I had to identify old school, at least in my interpretation of it, it would be a combination of rules light and trusts the DM to handle unusual situations and gives the players the ability to think or act outside the box and come up with innovative solutions to problems. Right. Oh, very nice. 
a lot of a lot of role playing games nowadays. It's like you know, for feats, for example, right. where you have great cleave and you have double attack or not. And by definition, putting that on the paper, it makes the player go, "Well, if I don't have that, I can't, I can't even do try it." it. Yeah, it, I won't even try it. I can draw an example from uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics RPG, where in 3.5, you've got all those skills and feats. Dungeon Crawl Classics collapses that for uh, fighters all down to one thing called Mighty Deed. And you get a die roll for it, but the player has to come up with the Mighty Deed, and then it's to the DM or the GM to adjudicate whether that's a reasonable thing. I could shove this guy off the balcony. Yes, I shove this dragon off a cliff. No. That's That's old school. That's very Savage Worlds, too. I like that. Um which and which goes to show that while most games, I think a lot of games, at least of the early days of role playing, went down that path in the seventies and eighties, not all of them did. There were very crunchy games back then, and I think we're all saying in the end, no, it doesn't have to have been a clone of a seventies game in order to be old school or nowadays. And I, but I wouldn't advise you to do a clone of Fatal. He said fatal. I did. Um, Recommendation on fonts. Now, this is probably my Holmes rulebook love showing, but I love Avant Garde. That's a fine old school font right there. Tis. Souvenir Demi. There's your header font right there. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And as far as a pulpy science fiction, Star Frontiers, when it came out, was, I mean, just look at the art in that, you know, Elmore's art. That was obviously meant to be very 50s, space cadet-y kind of science fiction. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't dark or hard SF like Traveler was or... Same with, like, Star Ace from uh, Pace Center. Same. You mean Star Wars? I mean <laughs> Star Star Ace. Yeah, the the my favorite thing in there is they had playable, intelligent polar bears. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because all these all these games like Star Frontiers came out in the wake of Star Wars, and that had a profound effect on the pulpiness of it. And part of Star Wars's appeal was it played back to those episodic, right. Type science fiction, you know, from the 40s and 50s, the Flash Gordons, the Buck Rogers. The... Right. So, yeah, I think that could be very eminently old school. In fact, I would probably say that there isn't a genre in existence that couldn't be old schooled. Yeah, you should call Gil Gerard up and have him pose for your cover art. He probably needs to work now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we can, we can put a picture of him on the website, you know, that you can cut out and then put on a little spinning thing, oh, you know, to do the whole Buck Rogers in the 25th century thing. Beady, 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 not the one buck. And that's when I shot him, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I never thought there'd be something more annoying than Tweaky, but then there was that last season where they introduced the gold female one. Oh, booty, 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 booty. booty. Oh, booty. Yes. Oh. Yeah. I mean, this was this was made by what a pimp. <laughs> <laughs> Look, check it out. She called out, huh? 
<laughs> she she OG'd. <laughs> I hope we were of some help, Richard. Yes. I can't yes. I can't completely hate Tweaky since he was voiced by Mel Blanc, so <laughs> I can. <laughs> so next. Um, anyway, Richard signs off by saying thanks for always providing a great deal of enjoyment. You're very welcome, Richard. <laughs> and we hopefully this time. Hopefully we were able to help out a little bit. <laughs> and many sodding dreams. Thank you. <laughs> and our second email is from John Aslan. And John writes DMs Mike, Liz, Glenn, and Crispy. Uh, you're, As a, you're, you're honorary crispy this show, Jim. <laughs> Tonight, the part of crispy will be played by Jim Wambler. <laughs> says, As a longtime devotee of the basic expert version of D&D, I really appreciated finding the Save or Die podcast. There had been a time when I thought I was alone in my appreciation of the Moldvay cookbooks. Nope. Fortunately, I since discovered that there are many others who feel the same way. I was particularly delighted by episode number 33, where you interviewed Jonathan Becker, author of the BX Companion and BX Black Razor blog. Like Glenn, I'm looking forward to getting family, nieces, and nephews, in my case, involved in my hobby. So thank you from a diehard BXer for keeping basic, but not just for kids, Dungeons and Dragons for keeping the basic spirit alive. Regards, John. John, well, you're welcome from a diehard BSer. <laughs> P.S. If there's any interest in my fumbling attempts at getting back into the hobby, you could take a gander at my blog, Uncle John's Dungeon. And the address is http colon slash slash strangeguyami.blogspot.com. Sweet. Isn't that the one I reported to as ISP? No. Uh, <laughs> no, sure that, they, a... they reported your ISP. <laughs> ah, ah, what happened to my blog? I confused there. <laughs> oh, Uncle John's Dungeon is using Garamond font. Woo. <laughs> well, thank you for the email. Glad we were able to help. And yes, there's nothing that annoys me more than when people say, well, basic, that means it's for kids, right? No. It's for the kid in all of us. <laughs> no. <laughs> in the late 70s, early 80s, most games, particularly war games, had a basic rule set and an advanced rule set. It's just, you know, depending on how much time you had to play the game and what kind of, you know, game you wanted to play, whether you wanted to play the 70 to 24 hours of whatever, or if you just wanted to play four to six hours. Basic does not mean kitty. Maybe we need a T-shirt that says that or something like. That. <laughs> uh, I'm on it, dude. Sweet. Excellent. <laughs> okay, Uncle Jim. Thank you. <laughs> but but kudos to him for starting him young. That's where the next yeah. generation's yeah. coming from. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. We're not getting any younger. That's right. I'm just waiting that day to, that. Gage tells me he doesn't care about playing role-playing games anymore. I know it's going to come. Well, yeah, but then he'll come back to it. Yeah. Now, there's that period of time where if the parents like it, it's got to be dumb. See, when I was in theater, around when I was in theater, when I was a younger man, I ran into too many people who said, oh, yeah, I used to play D&D in college and, you know, out of college when I was younger, but I'm grown up now. 
Yeah, that's always the implied. Well, yeah, I did that when I was a kid. Yeah. With the uh, with the magazine, you know how it is when you're on a project. You're just focused on the project, and let's just make this the best we can. But uh, last week, this guy just randomly on Facebook posted a picture of his 10- and 8-year-old daughter holding up their copy of Gygax magazine. Just right adorable. Right and all I did was eat send him a message asking him for permission to use it on the website and what comes back is this story about how when he was a kid it was during the D&D satanic thing and his parents forbid it and he had to hide his dungeon master's guide under the mattress he goes but now I'm a dad and my girls don't have to hide their games and I'm just like oh that's why we're doing this (laughs) yeah I was so very lucky because my parents did not pay any attention to that D&D satanic stuff and they fully supported me playing and would get me stuff for Christmas and my birthday. Uh-huh. And I just... Yeah, but they were hippies, I know they don't they? listen. What? Yeah, but they were hippies, weren't they? <laughs> they oh, were, God, no. Oh, my parents, <laughs> my parents no. were the furthest thing from hippies you would ever, ever meet. <laughs> they are conservative with a capital C, but... Her dad was a captain in the Army, served in Vietnam... They were both big Nixon supporters. Oh, my. Yeah, this is not hippie in any way, shape, or form. (laughs) So I I feel very, very fortunate for having understanding parents growing up during the 80s, and, you know, they just did not pay any attention at all to any of the hoopla about that. Younger gamers who don't yeah. know what we're talking about, we refer to Dark Dungeons, the Jack Chick strip. From we not, talked about the not the clone. <laughs> no, not, not the game clone. strip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, man. That- I, as much as I love, you know, I hated that during the era, we've got to, in a bit of honesty, admit that the original covers for the Player's Handbook and the DM's Guide didn't exactly help. Yeah, but it was Trampy Ayard. <laughs> yes, but it's also well, flaming demons. Like, even Eldritch Wizardry, those oh, guys that are still yeah. around today are like, oh, I don't God. know what we were thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I love the cover of Eldritch Wizardry. And not just because it, it was like, ooh, a naked woman. I can have that. It's okay. See, this isn't well, pornography. This is a game book. Well, Mike, when you, know you were about that age, you, you, you can have naked women, yes. Yes. D&D got unfairly targeted, though, because I remember I discovered Monty Python and D&D at the same time. And that was actually, at, you know, at 15, that's part of why I watched Monty Python was occasionally there was a naked boob. Yeah. Or Benny Dan, Hill. Dan close to it. <laughs> that's going to that's gonna be my exit music at my funeral. <laughs> Either that or it's going to be the, the Looney Tunes close. Like, oh, do the Benny Hill and then hire someone to just show up randomly, run across in a gorilla suit for no reason. <laughs> and a guy in a gorilla suit. Just, and another guy in a full in full in full armor hitting people with a rubber chicken. Yes. <laughs> yes, that would be ideal. Okay. But, you know, I just I just see my coffin going out the church. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway. All right. Well, let's get on to the subject of this episode, which is a review of the solo Labyrinth Lord supplement called Ruins of the Undercity. And we'll drift on over into Game On for that. 
Game on! Yeah. Game on! Come on, dude. All right. Smoking, smoking the wacky tobacco again, huh? If I attack the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Ruins of the Undercity. Everybody took a look at it? Liz yes. and I played it a bit this morning, early afternoon. We... Got a couple of characters, went through the city, got our gear, headed into the dungeon. Kabuki Kaiser wrote this. Yes. That's about about as good as Iron Beaver. (laughs) His actual name is Patrice Crispy. He is French. We were hoping to have him on the show, but unfortunately, I guess Skype problems have interfered, so... Yeah, it's, well, it's a stupid American program. We don't do that. Anyway, Actually, it is a stupid American program. Well, yeah, I'll agree. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, i got to back him up on that. <laughs> oh, I'm going to do that in the game sometime. If a witch turns one of, my, one of the players into a frog, I'm going to make him a Frenchman. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Now and now. Anyway. <laughs> All right. First opinions on the book, DM Jim. I thought it was awesome. I uh, purchased the uh, PDF just to review for the show, and I'm totally signed up for a print copy because I want one. Um, I liked it. Uh, I, I flipped out that there was Kelly Frias art in it, which is old school uh, illustrator. Uh, yeah, I got, I, got a, I got a word about that when it comes to me, so go ahead. <laughs> but, but this is an invaluable uh, resource, and it's uh, system independent. You could use it in Labyrinth Lord. You could use it in D&D. You could use it in, in whatever. And uh, this thing in one hand and uh, the Dungeon Alphabet in the other hand, and you don't need the back uh, chapter of the DM's Guide for AD&D. Yeah. Sweet. Okay, DM Liz. I liked it a lot, um, especially when we were running through it and actually trying out the rules as written in the book. And we got mugged by the ghouls. Yes. In yeah, the we're, we're just, and th- that's what, you know, that makes it. In town, school. right? Yeah, in, in town. town. Yeah, that's what pop up it old school. Like I was saying, you know, you're just going through someplace and all of a sudden out of nowhere, here comes something that your first thought is, this does not belong here. You know, we're just minding our own business, walking down the street, and then we're attacked by a couple of ghouls just right there in the middle of the street. <laughs> One of these things is not like the others. Yes. Yeah. This point, the Benny Hill theme should have kicked in. Because- oh, my gosh. We could not hit crap. We kept rolling <laughs> and rolling. Like, everything. <laughs> All I had to say is, thank goodness, Labyrinth Lord did not have crit fumbles and its rules, otherwise we probably would have killed someone in a nearby shop. Yeah. <laughs> or axe flying through the air. <sighs> but anyway. So, we had a lot of fun doing it. I think, you know, I think it's I think it's going to be a good product. You know, we're going to get into it more as far as the nuts and bolts of it. But, you know, my first impression of it is this is going to be something pretty cool that I think a lot of people are going to want. So you guys ran it as presented as a solo thing without a DM, right? Right. The both right. of us were players, and we just rolled the dice to see, you know, what happened to us. Using the using the charts provided, yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, Glenn. Well, first thoughts. <laughs> first thoughts. Um, I got the PDF and I printed it out at my local office depot. Um, my first thought was I was concerned with the artwork. The only reason being I saw the Frank Kelly Freeze in there and going, oh, God, I hope they're not going to – I hope they're going to let me print this because I don't know if – is this a copyright or not? Do you have permissions? Well, it's got it in the credits, so whatever. Um, secondly, I looked through it, and I got beyond the fact that it had said – a DM-less dungeon. First thing I think of is, oh, solo dungeons. Yeah, okay. If you roll the dice if you do this. Go here if you do that. Yeah, I was expecting That's sort of like the tunnels and trolls. Yeah. You know, the the numbered paragraph system. Like the, like the, like the, B, the, B, the couple of the B modules that we reviewed. Uh, but then I started looking through it, and it's like, oh, it's got something of a backstory. And it's like, ooh, this is going to be my... This is going to be a handy supplement. I like it. To heck with playing the solo. I just want the charts. <laughs> okay. Oh, very, very nice. Um, I what I well, I would quibble about a couple things, but I'll wait till later on in the show to tell you about that. Okay. If we're going to do something about layout and stuff. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll be hitting that in products, but. Okay, but on a whole, I really like it. Okay. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, there were a couple of small holes here and there, but they're minor. Um, and again, I'll talk a little more as we get into the meat of the of the booklet. One of the things I thought that he could probably get away with is not only advertising it as a solo adventure, but I think it would also do very well as a DM primer mm-hmm. for DMs who are just starting out and may not feel comfortable. Well, how do I determine, you know, what's going to be available at a shop or, you know, encounters in the street? You know, this is a good thing to use. Yes, it is. I would use this. You know what I would use this with? I mean, it's not mm. like the Dungeon Alphabet you're talking about. Uh, Vornheim. Vornheim uh, yeah. has a wonder- wonderful tables that kind of complement these. One fills the other's holes. Yeah, because I don't think... Uh Bornheim got into quite specific detail as actual, you know, products in a shop sort of thing. Yeah. It just, it warmed the little cockles of my old school heart when I saw the charts where the monsters are sorted by dungeon level, which also equals their level. Yeah. I, I mean, it made me want to go get my dungeon dweller box that's out, which were which came sorted the same way. Here's your level two monsters. Uh-huh. Monster and treasure assortments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a very good system um it had some unique magic items which i thought were kind of cool that was almost the best part some of those were really creative yeah Yeah. those babushkas i like them um i like the babushka they gave you charisma and also let you control undead there was some fantastic magical headgear that you could get at the shops. You know, turbans. The magic turbans. They were yes, cracking the magic me up. turbans. Like, oh, wow, I want one. Yeah. <laughs> what a giant turban to wear. Yeah. One of the questions I had intended to ask him is, was there any particular reason he chose a desert slash, you know, Arabic type culture? Mm-hmm. For the background, or is it just was it just well he had to do it in something, and everybody's done the stereotypical medieval Europeans, so he wanted to do something a little different. 
Yeah. yeah. It certainly gives it a specific flavor that you do not see in a lot of other supplements. Yeah. And the idea of the dungeon basically being under the town with various random possible, you know, entries into it is not only old school, it is specifically very Holmesian. Yep. For Holmes Basic. Mm-hmm. And for literary references, it does well with uh, Fritz Lieber's Fopper and the Grey Mouser, another, you know, where the dungeon is literally beneath your feet. It made me look up Kelly Frias. <laughs> well, it's like, God, this looks familiar. This is so neat. And I looked at it and go, see, cartoony art can be done in this game. <laughs> well, how long do you all think it would take before the booklet, quote-unquote, got fully played? I, I, just offhand, I'd give it a couple, three sessions. Well, that all? I don't know, because every time you go underground, you are, you're making a different, you know, dungeon layout every single time. It's never the same twice. Okay. On the other hand, the, the, the tables and things for items you can buy in the town itself, you know, one thing it does say is after you know two weeks after you found something in a shop, it's going to be gone and it'll never be there again. Yeah, which seems that, a bit harsh. Yeah, that could cut down your playtime with this supplement. You know, sooner or later you're going to have nothing left anywhere, and that makes no sense. So I well, think yeah, you want to reset that for magic items or maybe even specific unusual weapons or stuff. That makes perfect sense. But in a, in a way. Or out of rope. <laughs> in a way, this kind of plays to me. To, from what I saw, see, I'm, I, I'm once again, I'm, I'm looking at it through like to use it with a group. But using it with a couple of players, I'm looking at it and going, this is kind of like a more intuitive, sketchier version of the dungeon board game, where you can just play and play and play and play and play and play and play. And I'm kind of with I'm, Glenn on that because there's so many, there's so much. The, uh, Buki put so much creativity into every little nugget. It's like we were talking about the spirit of old school play. There are all kinds of like infinite number of little jumping off points. I mean, okay, you've got a turban of the great worm. One of your characters can now turn into a worm for ten rounds. You know, there's a whole adventure, right? About, That's right. You know, Giant earthworm adventures. <laughs> yep. So as you as you as you role play, filling in, explaining what you rolled randomly, I think it's be very rich source of material. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, I felt that the the dungeon generation was good. Um, like I said, it's got a lot of replay value. It's nothing really leaped out at me except for the artifacts as being particularly you know innovative there. Yeah. And that's not a criticism. It's just I thought actually the city stuff was where it was really innovative. It did remind me of Vornheim. I would change a few things, but um, for one thing, I, I thought the idea of, you know, actually maybe having a table whether a given item is available or not. Yeah. Random roll. And then if you left the shop and came back later, maybe it's not there anymore. Maybe it's sold. Maybe he's got in some new stuff. I think that would have helped. I I kind of question something. Uh, something. There are a couple of things in here that just totally like what? 
because look, I'm looking. I'm looking. I noticed this in like City Events and Encounters chart number two. It says beggar may sell a treasure map one in four. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. That's Labyrinth Lord page one oh eight. I was. No, no, wait a minute. It says may have a treasure map one in four. Labyrinth Lord page one oh eight. Then it says roll d twenty plus seventy six. The heck is that? <laughs> yeah, I'd have to look at the Labyrinth Lord rule book. Maybe it's a percentile. Yeah, but that's the weirdest percentile I've ever seen. Uh, well, unless unless he wants to ensure that you get a minimum of a seventy-seven on the table. Right. Okay. Shove, shove the roll up. It just yeah. it just seems a really weird way of doing it. That's mm-hmm. all. just roll a d four, dude. You know, on a four he has one. <laughs> well, he was trying to default this to Labyrinth Lord. Well, I think what it means is, and I don't have the Labyrinth Lord booklet out right here to check, um, because I only have it in PDF, and my computer is very old, and if I try to throw up two PDFs at the same time, it locks up, and I can't do anything anymore. Sure. But um, anyway... And we don't want that. I think what it's supposed to be is, you roll a one in four to see if he has a treasure map. If he does, then you go to the Labyrinth Lord, page 108, uh, roll your d20, add 76 to it, and that's, you know, based okay. on what's on that page, that's the kind of map you get. Yeah, I think I understand. I'd have to look at it again, but it's like, where does he pull 76 out of? <laughs> and this kind of segues into some of my criticism on it is I understand he was trying to, you know, while it defaults to Labyrinth Lord, he's trying to leave it open for all old school gaming. Right. Um, I still think it wouldn't have hurt to just give a stat line on the monsters. I mean, yes, it would be for defaulted to Labyrinth Lord, but it would help people who are, you know, so they don't have to keep flipping back to the Labyrinth Lord book. And if they're playing another version, they're going to go to that version's right up anyway. So. Right. It wouldn't hurt anything. Is that what you guys did? Did you go? Okay, yeah, we ran into yeah, ghouls. Yeah, had to had to basically, you know, go from you know Labyrinth. Fortunately, it's classic ghouls, so it was easy to remember off the top of our head. Right. Anyway, but yeah, with some of the things like carnivorous flies. <laughs> yeah, we ran into a carnivorous flies, and we had to go look at where the hell is carnivorous flies. That would have helped, but that that may. I don't know if that's part of the OGL or not. I mean, maybe he could have put it in there. Maybe he couldn't have. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, he puts monsters in the back that were in, uh, you know, from the Advanced Edition Companion. That's right. I don't see, I, and I don't see how you can copyright a stat line. Okay. Um, but that's a minor, you know. You never do until the cease and desist shows up. <laughs> but, hey, you know, it it, you can still look it up at Labyrinth Lord. It would just, you know, for me, it's a minor quibble. It would save a little time. Right. But I guess if you're playing solo, it's, time is probably not a factor. Um, I know I play a lot of uh, solo two-hour war games, and, uh, you know, the beauty of that sort of thing is you can play it for as much time as you have, and then you just leave it set up and come back later and do more. Right. And... There's no reason you couldn't do that here. True. Um, would I run a first-level character through this? That's a good question. I don't think so. Oh, we were first-level. Yeah, we, we, we did our first-level characters. Um, 
it it's it would be it would be kind of brutal I think for first level characters which again is old school it's going to be dangerous learn when um, to run yeah um, well and you should have had a henchman and hireling probably yeah but you know we didn't have enough we didn't have enough money to get the henchman and hireling so we managed Ooh. to get ourselves equipped and the town yeah we did and, the whole thing of you know you start off with rags a club. And your gold. And then we went, we bought our stuff. We didn't have enough left over to get any henchmen. So it was just the two of us. And yeah, you know, go down in there, four giant carnivorous flies. Like, I think we need to get out of here. (laughs) I thought like there is no way. That is pretty old school at first level. Okay, I've got my gold. Do I want to wear my armor or hire it? Yeah. Which was the other hole I found in the system. Um, you're supposed to roll a D4 plus one to see how many days it takes you to go to all the shops. And basically, you're supposed to go to all the shops until you get all the gear you want. Right. But you roll every day for a special encounter. And if you do run in, and that's one of the problems we had. Fortunately, our special encounter was on the last day. But if... What happens if we had the special encounter during the first day? How much armor or weapons have we gotten yet? There's no way to really tell. You better yeah. be using that club a lot. Yeah, I think it would be good to have perhaps a table added where you randomly determine which shops you find per day that you're in town. And that way you have an idea of what you've got and what you don't have rather than just going you know, flat down the the page. You know, okay, I go to this shop first, and then the one after that, we go to this shop, and then we go to this shop, and right. <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. yeah, that was kind of an awkward thing, So because then you don't know what armor do you have or not have, weapons you have or not have, you know. I mean, you could extrapolate it, of course, but, you know, if you're playing solo, you basically have to give yourself the, you know, I suppose you could get out of die and, you know, on a one through three, I've got my weapon. On a four through six, I don't, you mm-hmm. know, that sort of thing. It would just help to have a little more detail there. What, what, what did you guys roll up? I had a dwarf and Liz had an elf, which was very helpful when the ghoul hit. Yes. Nice. Thank goodness I was an elf. (laughs) Otherwise, I would have been lunch. (laughs) In fact, we were playing the exact characters that we played in Angry Monks. Really? Basic expert game, yeah. Wow. We just had them with rags and gold and had to go around buy stuff. Mm -hmm. At least we weren't naked with a bag of gold, which was how some of the old, you know, back in the 70s and 80s games I played in. It's like, okay, you're butt naked in town with a bag of gold. Uh, I don't want to know how you made that bag of gold. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, well, no, no, there's no logic. But then that was the era of if the player's not there, his character magically disappears from the group. And when he's there next week, he magically reappears. Poof. Tim Cass does that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where were you? Uh, went to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. For a day and a half? Well, yeah. Oh, how it is, you know. The doctor, get him! <laughs> I, had, I, had a lot of, I had a lot of meals. Um, <laughs> anyway, are we, uh, shall we move on? Oh, sure, sure. 
Well, you mean to the next section? Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, well, before I do, one last thing about the yeah. shops. What's that? Thousands <laughs> of poles. Oh, there were so many. Well, I won't say so many, but there were several shops where you're just going down the list of things, and then all of a sudden there's like, what? <laughs> yeah. What's the pole? Sells 10-foot poles, 5-foot poles, wooden, iron. And then at the bottom, pole dancer. <laughs> and a cost for you know, for services per night. And the guy's oh my, I missed yeah. that. <laughs> I was laughing. It's like, oh gosh, because it's yeah. the, the bulls. <laughs> and just... there, there's a leather shop, leather armor, leather trousers, leather jacket, belt pouch, backpack, manacles. What? What? <laughs> 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 I'll, I'll opt for the pole dancer. I'm going to show her my mirror. So, yeah, there are some, you know, fun little unexpected items, you know, usually at the very end of each list, you know, you're rolling this like, hey, what, what? <laughs> Nine items you would expect and a tenth that you would not. Oh, boy. Okay, and now we'll move so what you're saying the- is this product has big bang for the buck. Oh, yeah. As a player, yeah. So, to DM Fiat. Nope. Sorry. What? Oh. Nope. You're wrong. Look it up. I don't have to look it up. It's common knowledge. Nope. No. 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 Vroom. 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 You know the Fiat. Uh. Yeah. I had one. That again. Did All right. You, did you say something? <laughs> no. No. I. I was just uh, rooming. It's all right. Okay. (laughs) So, I think we've already answered this, but just to throw it back out there again, does the DM engine work well in this? I think it does, as long as uh, you do it with the caveat that uh, where he quotes uh, Gary Gygax directly out of the DMG, you know, discretion must prevail at all times. Just use common sense. Yeah. Don't try this at home. Yeah. Or do As try this. Say that both the, the AD&D Monster Manual and the AD&D DM's Guide are just as useful in Classic as it is in AD&D. Yes, they are. They have got some really good gems in there. Oh, yeah. Liz? I think it's, I think it's a good product. Um, as we have s- mentioned earlier, there are a couple of things that they're a bit fuzzy, but if you're, you know, even just a little bit experienced at DMing, you can come up with something and, you know, roll with it and make it work. I would say it's only for, you know, totally new people who don't know, and, you know, you're not going to find a whole lot of those. But, you know, for people who are not really experienced, some of those things might be a bit confusing to them, and they wouldn't be sure what to do. Yeah, but I'd say for ninety ninety five percent of the people who would buy the product, you know, they'd be able to run with it pretty easy. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, at the risk of sounding like the 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 downer here, because it's like I keep bringing up complaints. This is one again a minor complaint, but we're in a room. We've cleared it out. There's a door on the opposite wall. So I want to go look at the door. Okay. We roll it up on the door table, which is pretty cool. 
and it is a warped door covered with mold, which means it's harder to open, which makes perfect sense because the wood has warped. It's been damp. But then it says, you know, if you open the door, there's a chance of spores as you walk under the under the uh, archway. You know, there's a chance you'll get attacked by spores. I saw that. Did you get spored? No, well, we didn't. We, we didn't. didn't go through the door because, you know, our guy, it's like we weren't going to go through the door. We just wanted to check out the door and see if it was locked or not. Right. But once you do that, you get the whole paragraph. And then it's like, well, I don't want to walk under the door now. <laughs> well, <laughs> well it was a it was a one or a one in six chance that there is spores. Yeah, and you I, have to roll to find out. You don't have seventy six to this, do you? There was mm-hmm. a, I mean, talk about old school. There was a lot of save or die stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Yes, which I can certainly applaud. Yes, yeah. was. but that's, but that is something that could be kind of awkward when you're reading stuff. You know, you the player now know something bad might happen, but your character does not or should not know. Mm, I see. You know, and what do you do then? You know, a, a quote unquote a good player will not let that you know knowledge change their action, but you know it would be very easy to let that foreknowledge change what you decide to do. And now, to his credit, he has the adventure log. Where he insists, and I think very well, you know, very with with a lot of good points that you, you're supposed to write down your routine, right? And that basically, you know, if you don't write down that your thief checks, you know, a door for traps, and you come to a door, then well, you just opened it and you didn't check for traps. But there's only like four or five different categories there. I think he needs to add a few more things. Fourth things like. What if you're just looking at the door? You know, what if you just want to check the door for locks? You know, and it wouldn't be that hard to expand on. Yeah, it wouldn't. And if you find a magic item, do do you automatically try it on? Yeah. Because what if you find something that's bad for you? And like, like we did. Yeah, and you're going to read something, and you will immediately know whether or not it's bad for you. Where normally you would need an identify spell to find out. So was, was that like a sigil of blood? Oh, it was one of those. Yeah, we, like? we managed to find one of the artifacts that you know takes blood magic from you. And third well room, done. yeah, third room in the dungeon too. Well done. <laughs> it's like, oh crap! It's like you know, one of my character was a spellcaster. But would she have automatically put this thing on? You know, normally when we play a regular game no usually (laughs) just you know it's like we're not wearing anything until we've gone and done an identify spell on it (laughs) yeah or had somebody identify it or whatever because you know there's lots of strangulation things or whatever's that can cause you trouble but when we rolled it up it's like well here it all is yeah and i immediately know that it's something that could cause me harm so what do i do (laughs) 
I mean, that kind of tension happens even when there's a DM running things, though, because uh, this weekend, I mean, it was clear to all of us we're on some kind of spaceship or something, and, and I, I figured it out sooner than my character would, so I'm role-playing my characters going around going, this is Elder God magic, we don't understand it, but until a robot was about to take the party out, and then suddenly I run the length of the room for that rod sitting on a pedestal, because I know what it is, and it's, <laughs> I, I, I need it. Well, and... Well, here's this question. Was Tim using the quote-unquote figure-out tables like from Gamma World and Metamorphosis Alpha on the on the items, or was it just you used... This, this was in a Michael Curtis game, and... Uh, oh, sorry, yeah. And uh, his his uh, style is, uh, I mean, given that we're playing Dungeon Crawl Classics, he'll sometimes ask for a, a luck check or an intelligence check or something like that. But in the middle of this frenzied battle we're about to go down, um, he asked me what I did, and I said, I go all John Carter on it. I just, I, I pick the rod up, figure out which ends the business in, and start pressing buttons like crazy. <laughs> right. So, no, it was at the artifact table. Okay. <laughs> which I love, by the way. But. Oh, yeah, I love that thing. Um, it's great. Uh, especially when you're like dealing with a washing machine, but you end up killing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's like, well, how did you do that? Well, I guess you crawled inside or something and then put it on, you know. Oh, hot, you figured, hot. failed to figure out the electric shaver. <laughs> you killed yourself. <laughs> you tried to eat it, you know, and it's killed you. Something. Oh, boy. So, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. That is sort of. You know, but then the DM has the ability to go. Well, you don't know what it does. Well, so what you're suggesting is just an extra uh, layer of mechanic there. Yeah, I mean, just maybe an extra. Instead of going to all that detail, say you find this thing. If you put it on, you know, roll on this table, and it's like, well, one through four, it's just a piece of jewelry, maybe five or six. Then it's the artifact, and it gives you all the, the the evil stuff because now you've put it on. You know, it's I, I, again a few extra tables. And my criticisms with the the city are the same way. I, I I can't believe I'm saying this, but a few extra small tables would easily fix these problems. So that's how you change it. So Kabuki, uh, you know the expanded volume two collector's edition. There you go. You're welcome. And as yep. far as far as the way I would change it, um, I think you should probably retool it as a regular adventure for a table full of players, and then add this as the second part. By the way, if you want to play it solo, here's the system. Because mm-hmm. I saw a lot of like potential in there for, and I, I will probably use the charts and stuff when I DM and stuff. But it's like you give me just enough backstory to want to want to know more. Yeah. I really think he's he he could get away with putting you know that the, not only is it a solo but it's a D, it's a great DM's aid. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yes, and it's just lethal enough. Yeah, and there's some excellent snarky commentary, you know, throughout too. Oh yeah, um, which we love. Yes. <laughs> For instance, one of the artifacts. You find, you know, at the end it says the only way to destroy it, you have to take it to the plane of Nirvana. And yeah. then underneath that, it's like, find a way to get there. I'm not your mother. You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. And I, like I said, the lethality is just enough. It's not two Mahors, but it's basic. It's basic well, level lethality. Yeah, and it gets back to, you know, maybe something that 
I should have mentioned when we were talking about you know Richard with the old school, but lethality is fine in a game if character generation is fairly quick. Yeah. Yes. I have played in games I will not name them, but are very lethal. But it took two hours to build a character, and I hate that. You know, I'm going to spend two hours building a character that gets killed in five minutes. Mm-hmm. What the heck is that about? So, yeah, but again, Labyrinth Lord, like Basic, is very easy to crank out characters from. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the lethality level doesn't bug me. And he's absolutely right. You know, part of old school gaming is knowing when to hold them, knowing when to hold them. When to run away. Yeah. Fast. And when to scream like a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> so. The DM engine in this game does not work for your Pathfinder character, society character that you're in love with. It would not. I, I, I agree. Yeah, I mean, if you tried to use, say, a modern RPG with this, how would that work? I don't know. I do not know. Well, What's for one table? thing, there would be no ba- power level balance to speak of. And... I think a lot of players who like that sort of thing, you know, knowing that every single encounter you have, you have what amounts to a 50-50 chance of winning. Right. I think find that very unpleasant. Right. Yeah, well, get over it. (laughs) (laughs) The the very first time we sat down to play 4E, it took us two and a half hours to kill four kobolds. And I'm like, no, this is not right. (laughs) Because it was balanced. You killed you killed the cobalts. Well, I don't care anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Before you, they approach every fight like it's the NFL trying to fill out the schedule. Let me let me back up and do my you speech know. about it's a matter of personal taste. If you and your group enjoy that, that's fine. I'm just talking about my personal preferences. If you have fun, that's the golden rule. I'm not. Four years. The opinions of BM Jim no. are not necessarily the opinions of Save or Die, Wild Games Productions, or the old school Renaissance movement. My nephews beat the hell out of 4E, and they love it. Great. Yeah. Okay. And remember, his comments or mine are not indicative of wild game productions. Mine and Liz's, on the other hand, are absolutely. <laughs> That's right. We <laughs> brought you this claimer by Crown Royal, the official dice bag of the OSR. Hey. Your, your, your mileage may vary. Character generation over four hours is not normal. See a doctor. Yes. yes. Uh, Voidware prohibited. That's right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, right. So, now let's go to Random Encounters. We take what we want and leave the rest. Just like your salad bar. Nothing up must leave. Presto! You will come out no more. What? Huh? What will come out no more? Random Encounters. Now, I know it's a little odd on a system where, where so many things are rolled up, but... Was there any particular encounters that up to you? Oh, yes. As a possible roll-up. Oh, yes. Glenn, since you're oh-yesing, you get to go first. Well, I would I would flat-out take some characters and run them up against that Death Knight. Oh, dude, you stole mine. They took, they <laughs> took that. I mean, this is going into 2E. I'm sure there were some... Run out Death Knights. Death Knights were in Pinkfolio. Okay, you're right. You're right. But, I mean, I looked at it and go, oh, my God, they put the Death Knight in there. Now nah, it can't be as good as the 2E. Whoa, it still throws the 20-die fireball. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> I mean, we spent an ent- we spent like half half a Thaco's hammer episode just like going, oh man, this thing's like the worst thing in the world in D and D and stuff like this. And that's, oh, labyrinth Lord. Oh my god. <laughs> he finds your lack of faith disturbing. Exactly. <laughs> Jim, it's me. Oh yeah, you said he stole yours. Oh well, he he stole my dungeon one, but uh, I just loved the uh, the Kokai Gaxian funkiness of some of the like there's a town encounter that's just plague save versus poison or lose one hit point permanently i love that stuff yeah yeah <laughs> you're just yeah, I, wandering I was... around town roll that up oh you're down a hit point now mm-hmm. and a uh, little nugget nugget storyboard ideas like the elven embassy was an encounter in town yeah, i mean there's was... a whole adventure right there that mm-hmm. was cool uh some of the traps were really nice the yeah, i like um, the traps uh, mummy funny. rot powder. Okay, your party gets sprayed with mummy mummy rot powder. Now save, or you start to turn into a mummy. Wow! Yeah. Better get to the temple of the red goddess real quick, like. Oh, yeah. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and you can become a lich in this game. Yeah. In, a, in this module, yeah, it has. I assume you mean accidentally, as opposed to by playing. <laughs> <laughs> no, you play this game long enough. <laughs> it reminds me of that Knights of the Dinner Table strip when Bob and um, Dave's characters are running after the werewolf, trying to get it to bite them. <laughs> so they can become all powerful. Yeah, that would rock! I can yeah, only be hit with magical weapons, yeah! Liz, did any of them hang out for you, particularly? Well, one of the monsters in the, in the back, Vision of Horror... I really liked that one. It plays on the old wives' tale of, you know, you see something frightens you and, you know, it turns your hair white, you know, because of the the terror and the shock. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, it's a creature and anyone, if you're near it within 30 feet, you have to roll under your intelligence using 3d6 plus 3. And if you fail the roll you seem to age 10 years. And this happens every round until, you know, the vision is killed or you finally succeed the role. Sort of like an AD&D ghost. Yeah. But when you kill the thing, you have to roll a save versus spells. And if you fail that save, the aging becomes real. Ah! So you really have aged then rather than just seeming to age. So the... The vision of horror is so terrible that it actually ages you because wow. of the absolute, you know, terror of it. That's wonderful. Kind of Lovecraftian in a way too. Oh yeah, I, I think I like that is it. a cool. I think that's a cool monster. That I is like fantastic. It. Well, Jim stole mine. I like the plague. <laughs> <laughs> but you what's would. not? What's <laughs> not to like right. about the plague? Just a bunch of thieves. <laughs> plague and you know. That's my and my giant uh, ticks are my favorite. Plague and giant ticks and, and giant, giant ticks can carry plague, so that's even better. Nope, Mike, they don't have any steam weevils. Not yet. Oh. Anyway, okay. Well, we'll go into products of your imagination then, and talk about the game as a product. Your dungeon master has placed you in a dreadfully precarious position. They're right next to you. Well, all you do is we play the characters we talked about earlier when we run around and stuff. I want to show you a trick Mother showed me when you weren't around. Use your lightning bolt. 
Victory is yours. I'm attacking the darkness. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons game. Products of your imagination. You're not there. You're getting drunk. The book is a product. I admit. Yes. Book. Yes, it's not a game. Although you can download Labyrinth Lord as a free PDF, so... That's right. Now we're just going to talk about it as a product. Book, layout, font, (laughs) art... Price. Price, yes. Uh, It is for sale on DriveThruRPG. I don't know if it's value for price. I got mine for free. Um, haha. But, um... Which tells me that the art probably is copyright, you know... Covered. Covered, because I don't think they would, you know... There would have been some protest fairly quickly, and, yeah. and drive through would have yanked it, so... I'm just... It is $5 it, for a watermarked PDF. It's... Yes. It is not print-on-demand that I noticed. That's funny. That's, that's, I, I believe it is. I, is I, it? I, okay. Yeah, it's on, I must uh, have missed it then. Lulu for nine ninety. Okay. His his, uh, his his website's a little confusing. They, they could make the availability a little more obvious. Okay, yeah. so must have missed it. Well, ten bucks basically. That's not bad at all. Not bad at all. Seventy-three page book. And just for the tables themselves, it's worth the price. So layout. Who wants to take that one first, or are we going to just let Liz do it again? Um, <laughs> it was laid out nice. Uh, Two column format. Easy to read. I'm mean, gonna let me double check on that. No, I'm sorry, it's one column. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say mine is one column. One column. I'm so you see two columns. Um, <laughs> it's all the tables, probably. Got the fonts. Uh, Evil of Frankenstein's all right, but uh, Kabuki, Kabuki, Kabuki. I was gonna ask about that font, Evil of Frankenstein. Is that that's the headers? All that because it's you know based from the Hammer film or it's from, the po- from the poster, I believe. Of, From the hammer fi- of the hammer film, even. of the hammer hammer film, yeah, sweet. Yeah, but the gothic horror font, kaboom. yeah, gothic hijinks, hijinks. Yeah. I would call. I can't even read it. It's so small. Hijinks. Yeah, the font that should never see the light of day again. Only, <laughs> only in logos, logo, yeah. logos, <laughs> only <laughs> logos. <laughs> yeah, I was I was going to complain about that one too. It's not used very often. Um, however. Um, just, just FYI, Mike's screen reader would not read that font. It came up as just random artwork or gibberish, and yeah. so anything that was said in that font, you know, he or any other person who had any kind of, you know, visual disabilities, you know, they're not going to get any of that information. And while I, and while <laughs> I don't Charlie think. An awful lot of blind gamers out there, you know, as we all get older, our, I, I would think vision gets, you know, one of the first things to go. <laughs> That's a cool blues name for you, you know that? What, blind gamers? Blind gamer Stewart. <laughs> and now, nice. blind gamer Stewart. Well, hey, it's my uh, Mike, it's name? really hard to read, period. With the yeah. electric kazoo. Yeah. <laughs> What, what, you mean that, that font or just the whole... That font is practically impossible to read anyway. Yeah, I, like I said, it's good for okay. like logos and stuff, but that's about it. Good to yeah, the, the smaller it gets, the harder it is to read. Oh, man, it does. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like Germanic Gothic script. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's way too... It's like, it's like taking a font for a Tim Burton film and taking it like five steps further. 
Mm. Okay. But over, overall, I thought the layout was well done, except yes. for those two font choices we just mentioned. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's a rookie design mistake to think, okay, it's a header. It has to be a fancy font choice, yeah. you know, I, something like it, it, that's a that's a you know. It's like how people used to put animated GIFs on every web page. Oh. You know, the thought was, "Wow, that'll be cool," but in practice, it's not. It's just difficult to read and parse. It takes forever. To or back when they had embedded music. Oh right. my God! Oh, there's, still, yeah. there's MIDI music files. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I still run into one every once in a while. Oh <laughs> God! Fortunately, uh, I haven't in quite some time. Yeah, that's one of the first things I learned in layout is it's got to be readable. So, now. now Structure-wise, the layout is very readable, and the body it's, copy it's, is always be- it's beautiful. Nice mm-hmm. sans-serif font, beautiful. Um, and no problem. The art? Uh, they've got some excellent art. <laughs> yeah. Not just Kelly Fries, but other artists are good, too. <laughs> well, I don't know why I didn't know about Kelly Fries being an art, but I looked him up and all this stuff, and it's like, what? He worked for Mad Magazine? Of course I love it. <laughs> he did the uh, he did the cover and art for the very first edition of uh, Another Fine Myth mm-hmm. before ah. Bill Foglio jumped in there. That's where I, that's where I I, I, I remember I, that knew cover. Who, knew who he was by name. Okay, yeah, I I, I know who you're talking about now. But yeah, my question, well, the thing I'm dying to know is how do you get authorized art from an artist who has uh, since passed because he's, he's called no an longer estate. with us? It's called an estate. <laughs> Yeah, that would that would have been a useful question to ask. That's why some Rosetta are still still out there. <laughs> Which is what I, I love the inclusion of the art. It brings some class to the product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we were a little hard on Dark Dungeons last episode because they just used uh, public domain art. Oh, I did mine. I mean, you know. Well, Liz did. That's that's one way to save some money. What? Oh yeah, and, and 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 as we said last episode, you know the product is free. You know it's a free PDF, so right. you can't really gripe free. Right. But still, original art or even just not often seen art does give it a bit of flair. Um, one thing you mentioned on the Dark Dungeons one, Glenn, yeah. was that he the art wasn't just stuck in randomly. They had tried to actually put art that had something to do with the text in question. Did that? Was that done here? I I want to say yeah because first of all that freeze picture fits perfectly about the background of Cryptopolis and then I'm looking through it you know I love that name by the way Cryptopolis Cryptopolis <laughs> uh, in the city you know they got some troops here like the like kind of guard, Moorish guards um, and yeah, you know right after encounters you got a guy you know with a hood and a dagger you know right. like someone who's Right. I'm about to mug you. Yeah. <laughs> the monster encounters got a nice demon on there and such. So, so yeah, he he did some thought in, he put some thought into putting the art, which I really I really that kind of thing I really appreciate. Okay. Um, There's one more thing about the art though. It, it's because it's all uh, grayscale, and obviously a lot of that source art was color. Now, if it's print on demand, it need, it there's I would if I were laying it out and designing it, I would tilt more towards line art. Than a grayscale version of painted art. If yeah. I knew it was going to be printed in black and white, oh. and that could get P- muddy. Yeah, and in a PDF, why not go ahead and use the color art? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, one of my favorite pictures in here. Uh, after becoming a lich, it's got this one picture, a black and white picture of somebody with a cigarette. I haven't figured out if it's a fag hag or Keith Richards. 
<laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but, you know, sitting there with a cigarette. Wait, what? The opinions of the creepy old guy do not reflect <laughs> Save or Die or Wild Game Productions. But are endorsed by Ground Royal, the official. <laughs> <laughs> you wish. Yeah, right. But, it, but it's like, you know, sit there and she looks like, it looks like an ad for stopping smoking. That's <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like. Please don't smoke. You know, I became a lich ten years ago, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> a man give your grandma a kiss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Okay. Now it's time for the dragon grades. Overall, everything we've talked about, layout, game material, etc. And since Jim's the new guy, we'll start with him. We'll put him right on the spot. Um, One through uh, five. Art, four dragons out of five? No, overall. Just oh, overall. overall. Guess five out of overall five. grade. I'm five out of five. five out of five? Really? You, yeah, you like that, didn't I you? I mean, I'm, I'm buying a print copy, so that's five out of five. Oh, well, now that I know they have some, I might buy one, too. So Liz can have a copy, at least. Yeah, I like print over PDF. Mm. My girl. Glenn? Four, 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 four. Okay. Change the art and flesh it out for, just flesh the background out at least for a regular. Change know, the yeah. art? No. What, you mean uh, I'm sorry, did, I say, or? did I say art? I meant font. Change that one font. <laughs> font. Okay. Change that I one font. We're talking up the art. <laughs> yeah, I was, sorry. Uh, change that one font and, like I said, um, flesh it out a bit more, make it a little more accessible to a group. Mm-hmm. But keep what you got. So, Liz, I'm going to say three point five. Three point five. Three point five. Um, okay. On the, I liked it a lot. I I do think that there needs to be some, as we discussed earlier, maybe some extra tables included to kind of walk you through some of the things that you know we discovered in our play test session that seemed to be a bit fuzzy and we weren't entirely sure, you know, how we should handle it. Um, yeah, definitely change the Gothic hijinks font. Get rid of Gothic hijinks. <laughs> <laughs> um, something else that I would also add that I didn't get a chance to with the layout thing, I think it would also be a good idea to include as part of the folio on the tops of the pages you know, have they have ruins of the Undercity on the top of every page, and I think it would probably be very helpful for people navigating through the PDF if on, you know, the opposite pages, you know, have ruins of the Undercity on your left-facing page, and then you get to the right-facing page and have whatever section of the rules you're in, whether it's artifacts or you're at the into the city section, you know, to kind of give you an idea as you're flipping from page to page on the PDF, roughly where you are in the document. Yeah, Thank you a, for reminding me of one of my nits. It needs a contents page in the front. Oh, yes, yeah. or an, and or an index. So, yeah. Ideally those, both. Yeah, so those are those are my gripes, which is why I won't give it a, a big, big, you know, dragons, but I do not want well, anyone to think that 
I think this is a poor product. I do not think that at all. I think it is excellent. See, Liz and I would, and Liz would agree with me on this, that intelligent art placement is one of the things that makes it more of a professional product. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you don't want to have so much art that you're, that you're looking at it and thinking, I'm paying 50 bucks for a book for art. And I'm not getting an awful lot of content for my money. I know, then you you know, so you want to have good art, but you don't want to have so much art that you know it's it looks like you're paying for art and you're not paying for game. Right. It's a coffee table book then, or World of Darkness. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's like if I want an art book, I will get an art book. I'm buying a game. I want a game, and I don't want an 800-page game. So, my, I'm going to go 3.5 with Liz, um, because I think it's a good product. I think with a little extra polishing, it could be an, an awesome product. Um, there's just a few couple of minor hiccups, which, again, if you're an experienced gamer using this for solo play, you know, those hiccups, you can pretty easily just, you know, roll over. Right. But if you're trying to, say, play a game for the first time and you don't know anyone, you'll naturally, oh, a solo thing, you'll grab it. And for what you're getting, the price is extremely reasonable. Yes, it is. I thought, you know, especially 10 bucks for a printed one, wow, you know, that's cheap. Paperback, but still, that's pretty good price. Well, still, paperback, yeah, 73 yeah. pages? Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, I'll go with that. Which I think averages to a four. Four. Yeah, four yeah, average. Average to a four. Four out of five. That's right. So go buy it. Yes, get your copy today. Buy go, one go, today. Go buy it, Kabuki, revise it. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? And so we head out on that road. Oh yes. With Bill Bixby walking down into the sunset. How you going, Jim? I'm wearing my magic turban and pajamas and going to bed to sleep off this uh, convention I just went attended. <laughs> Liz? I'm running from the the horrifying creature. <laughs> <laughs> the vision of horror. The, yes. My hair turned white. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good look for you. Mm. <laughs> And a good thing, too, because it really is starting to do that. So, <laughs> no. no, no, I don't believe. No. <laughs> I disbelieve. I disbelieve. Yeah. Uh, Saving growth. Something like that. Glenn? Well, I'm, I'm walking down the road with a copy of this game, squint, using my glasses and squinting at that gothic hijinks font. <laughs> it was there. Whereas I'm in front of all of you, desperately running to escape the giant carnivorous flies. Well, say whatever you want about the font. We're talking about it, aren't we? So, right. <laughs> indeed, you all subscribe right. to the no such thing as bad publicity. You got it. All and right. So that's another episode wrap up. All right. Um, we got. Are we announcing the contest? Thank you for reminding me. Yes. But wait, there's more. There's more. We are going to be running a contest for iTunes reviews. Now, naturally, we all like five-star ratings. But 
your star rating will not have anything to do with whether or not you win the contest. That's right. All that will matter is if you can give us a relatively honest yet funny review. Oh, God. Make us laugh. Oh, it's got to be funny. Okay, fine. But it's got to be based in reality, too. Like, you know, one thing I love about it is the Death Star they use every episode. No, no. <laughs> got to be relatively accurate, but honestly, you know, and funny. It's got to make us laugh. You can give us a one-star review, but if you make us laugh, you win. And I don't want to see stuff like, I'm writing this review without pants. Who cares? <laughs> And there are cartoonists on the judging panel, so make it really funny. Really, really funny. And some That's guy right. draws straws. Uh. And we have two prizes. Basically, the winner will get first pick, and the other prize will go to the runner-up. And the prizes are... Liz? What are they? We have a set of the Dungeon Geomorphs. Yay. The original 1970s. Wow. Yeah. Nice. And we also have a creature crucible. Um, I don't. I don't know which creature we're giving. Which one are we giving? We are. It, well, it'll be a decision. Uh, <laughs> we have. We have two of them. So we're trying. Yes. Yeah. How about tales from the Wee Folk? All right. That's PC one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, dungeon geomorphs or creature crucible tales from the Wee Folk. Winner gets to choose which of the two they'd rather have. And the one that's left over goes to our runner-up. And that's how long? Right. Is, and how long is this cost, costume? This contest going to go on? <laughs> well, while I like Jim's idea of April Fools, and I think that's very accurate, <laughs> um, that would only give everyone a month. So how about two months? Okay. First of May. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Okay, Jim. I bow to the wisdom of the collective. Yes, we'll have it in May first. What is the day of all all proper socialists? Hey, I'm the new guy. I'm sucking up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we'll beat that out of him pretty quick. <laughs> I'm, wa- I'm waiting for him to say, "I for one am welcoming the." <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, now we wrap up. Now the- go, go, make those comments on iTunes. Go for it. Yeah. Say good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Hasta la vista. Good night, everyone.